Welcome to the first episode of the Educator Lounge. I'm Marissa. And I'm Chase. Today, our special guest is the founder and principal of Concourse Village Elementary School, Alexa Sorden. Alexa has served in the New York City Department of Education as a classroom teacher, literacy coach, director of achievement, and for the past nine years as a principal. We are lucky to have her joining us today to discuss how she creates partnerships with educators, students, and parents to strengthen the school community and achieve academic success. Hey, Alexa, so happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. Um, So Alexa, I wanna start off by asking, because I can see in your office there, you have tons of little items. Um, Obviously when we were kids, you you go back to school, you get all your new clothes, you fill up your pencil case, you have all your your must-haves to go back. Is there a similar situation with principals or administrators? Are there certain things that you go out and get different objects, quotes, activities for your back to school? That's a great question. So when I think about my back to school, like a starter kit, like a starter pack type um, preparation, it's usually, I usually plan out the month of September. So it's not necessarily a thing, but it's like a calendar has to be developed for the month of September. That's very well planned, very well thought out. And that calendar is always matched with my family's calendar so that I remember things that are important for the month of September. So I spend a lot of time planning out the month of September. So a calendar packed with everything that's important so that I don't forget. Uh, Vitamin C packets. I found that throughout the years to be very important. Some folks think they should start doing that when the temperature starts to change, but you should really start prepping for that now uh you you're tired a lot more your sleep schedule may be a bit off so your immune system may be down so i strongly suggest vitamin c packets a playlist which may not it's a thing but it's um maybe not something they keep in your pocket but it can be if you have beats or headphones or what have you so a morning and even evening meditation playlist that could be anywhere between two minutes to ten minutes of meditation so you could start your morning off right and really end your day off well as um and your day well. I say a meal plan, a meal prep plan for at least the first week of week of school. And what I mean by that is prepping all your meals and having them ready for the first week so that you don't forget to eat. So that you know, you know, if you've set awesome goals throughout the summer, you don't make those big mistakes and just grab the first thing you see. So if you meal prep for at least the first week of school. I think it'll make you feel great emotionally. Um, You'll feel proud of yourself. So, and then the other thing I would say probably is have all your iron, uh, all your outfits, have your outfits ironed for the first two weeks of school. So get your first two weeks of school ready, your your outfits ready for the first two weeks of school so that you're not stressed in the evening or in the morning. So a well-planned out calendar, vitamin C packets, morning and evening meditation playlist, meal prep for at least the first week, and two weeks worth of back to school outfits. And all of these things are just designed to um, reduce your stress and help you stay like in that positive mindset. Also, if I think about a model that I, that I do say to myself is that this too shall pass. So at the start of the school year, there could be lots of hiccups you know, the plan that you uh, prepared for and probably ran through several times that seemed to have worked well when there were no parents or scholars in the building is now falling apart. 
it's okay to reset because this too shall pass. Hence why the importance of meditating in the evening and the morning will help you get through that. I love how you didn't even overlook the really small things like the vitamin C. I would have never thought about that with how many kids are running around with all their germs. That's great. Yeah, we're all coming back together again. So start, you know, strengthening that immune system. Yeah, yeah. vitamin D and, 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 <laughs> and post COVID, it's a little bit different too. I mean, I think nowadays people are a little more conscious about, about health, um, you know, and cleanliness in general, obviously just with the effects of, of COVID. Okay, so moving on a little bit, if you ever have a chance to take a look at the Concourse Village Elementary School and go over to the staff, you'll see they have a bunch of creative photos of the whole staff, and it's very fun and exciting and inviting. So kind of going more into our topic now about creating those partnerships, why do you believe it is important to create individual partnerships with your educators, students, and parents? Um. Well, I definitely believe that creating individual partnerships with educators, students, and parents is essential because they are what creates our school community. They are what creates all the, I, I, I say magic, the magic that happens here. So it's very important for me to have a relationship with each of them. I remember that as a teacher, I, dream, I dreamt of a place where I felt included, where I felt a part of something. When I was a teacher, it felt somewhat like an island. Like I would just come in, I was running my own business in my classroom and I didn't necessarily exchange ideas with anyone or really collaborate in the essence of true collaboration for children. And I, I, it felt lonely. And I knew that that was not the best conditions for anyone to work in. And our students were not winning because if I could learn from the teacher next door to me something really awesome, then my kids would win from that. So when I think about how I create partnerships with our educators, it's a simple thing, it's like a smile in the morning, um, checking, checking in on them, stopping by the classrooms to just say hello, keeping a pulse on how they're feeling or if there's anything that's going on in their life that's important. Maybe it's a birthday that's coming up or an anniversary, or maybe there's someone sick in their family. And just being able to stop by and check in and say, how's your mom doing? How's your husband or your child? Following up on the things that are important to them. So just that connection uh, that we should, we should have in terms of as, just as a human, not as their principal, but just really genuinely checking in on their well-being and um, getting to know them as a person. And it could be simple things like, are you into yoga? Or do you run? Or I found this awesome recipe. I know that you said you were trying this diet, I saw this online and sharing it with them. Those uh, genuine efforts of, I see you, I acknowledge you, and I know you beyond the lesson that you just taught yesterday. And not just having conversations about how you could be a better educator, but just getting to know them on, the hu on a human level. I also do observations that do not uh, require me bringing in my laptop or pen and paper. So I'll walk into the classroom, just me, and I'll just have a seat in the in the back or on the carpet, and I'll listen to the lesson. I'll participate sometimes as if I'm a child as well. So can I add on to the discussion? And it also creates opportunities for teachable moments. So if I'm in a classroom and I see an opportunity where I could jump in to model something for an educator, I do that. And it's low stakes for them because there isn't any evaluation. So they're not getting a rating of any kind is just true coaching 
on the spot. And that helps to create community and that helps to build trust. And they know that I'm there for the, just for the purposes of really supporting their craft as educators. When I think about the students, how I build partnerships with them, uh, it's definitely at recess and in the morning. So I'm usually in the cafeteria or in the schoolyard. So if I'm out in the schoolyard, if somebody's jumping rope, I will jump rope. If they're learn, if they're they often teach me new TikTok dances, so I'll <laughs> definitely learn because we'll bring out the speaker. We also bring a speaker out into the schoolyard, and they'll have me play what they call a TikTok mashup. So the TikTok mashup comes on, and I'm supposed to learn all these dances, and they get a kick out of the fact that I am not really well coordinated. So um, I usually mess up the dance for sure. It just shows like my silliness, my vulnerability. And it also places them in a position where they could teach me something as well. Uh, I I run with them, like we'll we'll do, uh, there's a track, like a small track and we'll race. So I'll, I'll race with them, I'll play, I'll jump, uh, we'll do the jump rope, we'll dance. And then we just have conversations. And it's like, hey, how are you? How's it going? Uh, anything new? So there's different ways that I find that helps me connect with teachers and students. And then that also um, automatically feeds into the relationship that I have with the families. So with parents, I find that they only care, they care, not only, they care. Parents care a lot about communication. They want to know what's happening. They want to be able to prepare in, in, prepare in advance if there's any changes to the schedule. Parents want to be a part of their learning. Parents want to know that we're here for them and that we're together in the education of their child. So I do that by keeping an open door policy, like literally uh, my doors are always open. Parents often do not need an appointment unless I'm actually in the middle of something else. And if they show up, then I'll say, let me give you a time when I know that I'm free. But for the most part, I accept I will accept any parent that comes to the door at any time. I also answer text messages. We have a text messaging app and I'm accessible to families via text message and through email. So in terms of having access to me, they always have it. When I think about the idea of also establishing trust and community, that also happens through those everyday interactions. So when they see me at morning ingress and it's just again, hello, how are you? How's it going? And just having casual conversation, it helps to build those relationships. We also have a parent association and they've done a great job of also bringing in the families We're using Zoom as our tool, which, you know, thankfully for the pandemic, it's what taught me that you could actually have conversations with parents outside of the school day, like something that was there the whole time. Like I didn't even think about it until the pandemic. So now we get to actually have a lot more uh, opportunities for conversation because we use Zoom or we'll use um, Google Meets or what have you so that we can engage with families for an after-school chat. Um, some parents are part of our school leadership team. So during those conversations, we have, we discuss. So during the school leadership um, team conversations, we talk about budget or we'll talk about curriculum and the parents that are part of that committee provide feedback from conversations they've had with other families. So always keeping an uh, open line of communication is what I found to be very important. And it really supports with being transparent. 
So for educators, it's just, I, I think that when I look at the thread across all three, educators, students, and parents, it's really that visibility and letting them know that I'm here, I'm genuinely here. And while I am the school principal, and I understand that I have a role to play, I am here with you. Like I'm beside you. I'm with you in making this awesomeness happen every single day. And I only want the best for you. And people see that through your actions. So that's how I believe, I believe, I, that is how I build partnerships with our educators, students, and parents. Going a little bit into more of, about educators in general, uh, how do you create that community with the educators as a whole so they don't really feel like they're on that island alone in their classroom? Uh, and how do you kind of encourage them to be a part of the whole community around your school in general outside of the building? So one another way that we do that we build the community in terms of as a whole for our educators so that they don't feel like what I felt like when I felt like I was on an island we we actually start the school year with a neighborhood um, walk and on that neighborhood walk they're broken up into small teams of like anywhere between four to six and they just uh, go throughout the like about a half a mile uh, around the community where they're looking for goods and services in the communities. They're taking photos in front of it. They'll have different challenges. So one group may have a TikTok challenge. One group may have to do karaoke <laughs> out in the street. So it's like, <laughs> so they, they start the year fun and they, but they get to know the community around them because in some cases they may not live in the community or they may just drive in park and then walk, just walk into the building. And I do want them to see like the beauty that surrounds us. So they, and also the, a lot of the resources, there's some awesome restaurants in the neighborhood. And so when they go off on their walk, they learn about every, like those types of resources that are in the neighborhood, whether it's a hair salon or the nail shop or the post office or um, a Haagen-Dazs. They're like, I know where all these things are located and the community where I work can also serve as a resource for me, which also supports the relationships that they build with students and families. So a scholar may see you there, a parent may see you there, or you can reference it when you're doing a lesson or when you're having a conversation with your scholar. Like, hey, have you ever been to this 7-Eleven? They have like the best slushie, have you tried this one? And then they could say like, oh, you know my community, you know where I live. So you're not just this figure that comes in and out of the community. Our teachers often also uh, apply for grants. So they'll apply for donors choose grant, donor choose grants, and they'll bring resources into the community so that they're not only receiving from the school or the district, they also make an effort to go out and get resources. Um, inside the school building, we have what's called professional growth partners. And what that looks like is that teachers are assigned to a partner for eight to 10 weeks and they observe each other during that time. So it's one observation a week for 15 minutes and they give each other feedback using what we call TAG. So tell something that you liked, ask a question and give a suggestion. So the asking a question is to better understand the lesson and the give a suggestion is to make the lesson even better. And then a takeaway. So the teacher will say, as a result of your classroom, I'm taking away this to my classroom. And then that honors something that the teacher did very well. And then they see how they're contributing to one another's um, professional development throughout the school year. So they get to build partnerships in that capacity. 
they usually, most of the school has lunch at the same time. So they'll have lunch together. Uh, I bring in activities such as paint and chat, Zumba classes. We'll do like escape room kind of activities to build community. So they get to interact with one another in that way. But if you walk our hallways, all the doors are open. Teachers are like walking in and out of each other's classroom. Whenever there's a new teacher on the team, we introduce her to the, the whole team. Like for example, over the summer, like I'll have a photo of that new teacher. I'll give a quick blurb about that teacher. And then the whole community writes a, a welcome message to that new teacher. We acknowledge one another's birthdays. So we'll celebrate each other's birthdays in the spirit of like through an email or like it's such and such birthday and everybody's sending well wishes for their birthday. We'll acknowledge them throughout the school day. If it's raining or really cold, I'll buy lunch for educators. It's usually pizza. So I'll say, I know the weather looks, you know, it looks, it doesn't look good outside today. I've ordered pizza. So if you don't have your lunch, you can stop by the main office and get some pizza. So I, I find ways to build community that way as well. So they're constantly working together um, on their grade teams. But then I also do vertical planning where the math teachers for kindergarten through fifth grade are also working together. Sometimes in schools, you just know your grade really well, but I wanted us to be a family. So I made sure that you also plan with your content team. So they'll meet uh, vertically from grade kindergarten to fifth grade for math, for science, ELA and social studies. And we'll have conversations that, and they'll learn from one another. So a fifth grade teacher, may be able to learn something that a kindergarten teacher is doing because kindergarten teachers are really great at modeling. And they plan very, very well because they have to have sometimes more than one plan because of what could, you know, it could be very unexpected what could happen with young kids. You may have thought they didn't know something and you find out, whoa, they know all of this. So now my lesson is to um, <laughs> take a drastic turn. So oftentimes they learn so much from one another. So that's one way that as a whole, I work on building community. Yeah, that's awesome. Have any of your your educator TikToks gone viral? <laughs> no, not yet. But we have a TikTok club actually this year. Our assistant principal is leading the TikTok club, and it's going to be uh, led uh, with scholars and teachers are invited to participate. So on the TikTok club, they're using it to showcase their learning. So it's a, a educational TikTok uh, page that they're creating. So. I'll let you know what happens. Yay, that's like so great to hear. Yeah, TikTok's kind so of fun. so much to learn about TikTok still. So excited to see how that goes. So um, Alexa, you mentioned earlier um, some of the strategies that you use uh, in terms of creating those partnerships with the students. Um, I want to dive a little bit more into how exactly that empowers them and gives them a voice. So when I was in elementary school, I was terrified of my principal. Now, he looked a lot scarier than you did, to be fair. Um, but if you had taken the, your approach and, you know, talked to I haven't to seen my, my... Oh. Right. Let's go back to the, the friendly. <laughs> um, but if you had taken your approach and, you know, talked to me like a human being, show, showed some interest in my interests, uh, it probably would have made me more comfortable, you know, being vocal and using my voice. Thank you for that. It's, you know, it was, as a child, it was the same experience for me. And I mean, I'm, I'm a, a lot older than maybe you, 
but it was like the children are seeing not heard kind of mentality. And I just, I, I don't like that. I want kids to know that they could have a voice. And I talk about respectfully voicing your concerns and respectfully uh, sharing things that you disagree with. And actually I failed to mention that I have morning meetings with them as a, as a, as a like grades K to two. So I'll have a meeting with them. It's usually five minutes, very brief. Like how's everything going? Is there anything that you need me to work on? Anything that you would like to see? So they'll things like they'll say like, oh, for the next book, when the next time that the book fair comes around, we would rather have these types of books. And I'll say, oh, not a problem. I'll let I'll let the book fair folks know that these are the books you're interested in. Um, then I do the same thing with grades three to five, and they'll say, well, we want we want to switch our recess time, or we would like to have we would like for you to purchase more um, footballs for recess, or we need. Uh, more soccer balls, or, what, or we want these after-school programs. So there's different ways to bring voice because I didn't want them to feel like school is a place where you come for to hear old folks speak or like for us to exercise our knowledge or tell you how much we know about plants. I wanted them to know like, no, you are responsible for your learning and you need to be an active participant in your learning. And I talk about that with the kids and this, the educators and families know that that's something that's very near and dear to my heart because I want our students to be able to advocate for their needs and wants. No, absolutely. That, that, makes, that makes perfect sense. Um, you know, really, I think that that's a big thing that is overlooked is the change between, you know, you said the seen and not heard versus, you know, what we're having, you know, or pushing the kids to do today. Um, obviously the world, with technology, communication, um, you know, progressive, you know, thinking with letting kids, you know, make some of those decisions at an earlier age. I think you only really see better creativity and better outcomes when you allow them that outlet earlier on. I also want to jump back to your after school clubs because the TikTok club sounds really cool. And I remember when I was in school, I was a part of like a knitting club. So how do you structure your after school program? And what does that look like for students? So for after school, we didn't want it to be an extension of the school day, meaning like we didn't want to continue to cover content per se, but we wanted to reinforce those critical thinking skills. And I think about what does that look like? Like collaboration, discussion, planning. Like we want students to really practice those skills because I think that's what makes them great scholars, great human beings. So our teachers usually design passion projects. So things that they're passionate about and they create their own curriculum. And my goal is to support them either by funding the materials or creating the space for them. So there is a teacher that um, has a sewing club. There, we have the TikTok challenge, the TikTok, the TikTokers. We have a hair club this year and that came about when we were talking about how our hair, hair is like a really big deal for um, for many folks across all genders. And we wanted students to have a space to just love their hair. So our one of our teachers decided she wanted to have a hair club so that we could learn how to style our hair in different ways. So we could learn like, what, what do we do with the hair that we have and how can we style it in different ways? So um, we're looking for actually in the process of um, securing partnerships with a local hair salons so that they could model for us how to do how to do our hair. We also have a club that su will support the hair club 
it's not like a makeup club. It's the fashion design club. So the sewing teacher is going to partner with the, the teacher that's also doing the hair, the hair club alongside the makeup club. And we were looking at makeup for uh, purposes of career and all, not just like your, your wedding makeup or your party makeup, but we were looking at like makeup for movies. Like, so what does it look like if you needed to cre recreate the walking dead? Like if we wanted to put on something, like what would that look like? So could this be a field that I may want to explore in the future? So um, that's a club. So we're just thinking of these, this is something that again, teacher created, that's what they wanted. We have a soccer club, a basketball club. We have, um, there's a change maker club. We partner with RevX. And so they're the change makers. And then they look for community issues. Uh, like last year's issue was littering in the community. So the children went out, they took, they took video of like what was happening in the community. They were like, our community is littered. What can we do? And they created compost areas uh, around the school. They took data, they presented to their families. They made, they made Instagrams and TikToks, but we have the Instagram videos where they were dealing with a community challenge around littering. And then they were able to trace it back to, wait a minute, the trash that we do pick up goes to landfills. And what does that mean? For the community with this so they're going to continue to explore that topic uh so all after school clubs are usually based on a topic of interest we also have um splats so our pe teacher will has his his splats club and he integrates it with the coding teacher so they'll work together on an after school program where she's doing the bulk of the coding and then he's doing the implementing and then they come back and they meet and they say, okay, how do we want to revamp our code? Very cool. I love how it kind of makes it almost a full circle where it can be like something an educator really cares about and a student really cares about and it will build that trust. And then like also that bond um, where they share like a similar interest. Uh, so really like letting them both lead that after school program is really great to hear. We also, I forgot, we also had the magazine club. So they published their first magazine and like there was one scholar, she was like the Sheen Queen. So she like would, she had a column where she talked about like the Sheen's latest outfits and um, all the ways that you could change up this shirt with this skirt. And another one had an advice column. I thought that was really cool. So scholars would, would send her, um, there was a, a survey, a Google link and she sent it to the scholars in fourth and fifth grade. And she was like, I just send me and I'll provide advice and I'll put it in my column. We had a, we had that, the magazine club and a debate club as well. Wow. That's I great. love that, um, that they have so <laughs> many different clubs that they're passionate about. Uh, sometimes it seems when the kids get older, they may end up in clubs that their parents are pushing them towards or that they think are good resume, you know, building items for college. But it seems like there's a handful of clubs that are just purely based around kids having fun and the kids getting to be with their friends, which is great. And that's what we definitely want to promote. We want to promote just curiosity. We want to promote them, you know, let's be inquisitive. Let's, let's deal with challenges. Let's explore. So we want to create a fun and curious space for all students. So kind of finishing off with the triangle partnerships you have, moving over to the parents, you mentioned that they really care about communication. So what are some best practices for communication when it comes to parents? 
some of my best practices for communication with parents is uh, keeping it short and simple, getting straight to the point. And by that, I mean, I'll make a video. It could be an Instagram video or YouTube video where it's an informational video. I'll send the link. So our incoming parents, for example, I recorded the welcome video for them and I emailed them the link. So by them having the link and the they get to watch it as often as they need to. They can pause, they can rewind. I use visuals a lot to communicate messages. So if I'm expecting for parents to come into the building using an entrance and then walking a particular way, I'll create a flow map with steps so that we know like we're getting from point A to point B. So being very clear in my communication. I know that I keep it, like I said, short and sweet because I know folks are usually maybe reading while they're on the train or reading while they're maybe cooking dinner or reading while there's a three-year-old or five-year-old tugging at their shirt. So thinking about all those elements and say, how do I communicate information to families so that they can receive it and understand it? So I keep it short and simple. I use visuals when it makes sense. I make videos so that they can pause and replay as needed. I also text them. So I'll text and the text keeps me to, to keeping it short. So I text them like information. I'm texting probably like every day. Sometimes I text uh, motivational quotes in the morning. So like here's a, mo a, a quote to start your morning in a positive way. So it's not always just communication. I also text um, like start your day off with a smile. How good does that feel? Or like, don't forget to smile or thank you for trusting us with your child. I send families sometimes pictures of what the child is doing in the classroom. So they, I may be observing a presentation. I'll start taking photos of it. And in that moment, send it over to the parent to say, please talk with Johnny today. He did such an amazing job on his immigration presentation. So that when the child gets home, they're like, Ma, uh, the mom is like, so tell me about this presentation. And so I was like, how do you know? They're like, oh, Miss Sorden told me. And then they see the photo and they're like super proud and that also helps the, the parent feel like, oh, I am a part of what's happening in the building and I know what's happening in the building and I can have a conversation with my child about what's happening at school. I want to be on your texting list. I would love some like motivational quotes in the morning. <laughs> I'll send you, I'll send you some stuff. <laughs> so awesome. Um, moving over to a little bit, how do you involve the parents in the whole school community too, in general? Uh, Thank God for Google surveys. I send surveys. <laughs> That's like the quickest way for me to just get their input. So I'll send surveys because then I'm able to export that as an Excel sheet and then we could filter. And, the, and then I also always have a section like for any questions they may have, I review those questions and then I reply back. So in your survey, you said you had a question about this and I make sure that I answer it. I have to also address yourself. So it sounds like you really do a really great job making yourself available, but how do you kind of do your personal life and work life and like allow those gaps and like spaces for time for yourself too? That's a great question. And I will admit that that is what usually suffers because when you make yourself so available, something is going to fall short. And it's often things that like, compliance matters, things that I need to turn in that are part of my compliance duties may often be late or may not often be done as well as I would like. But I just always find that the visibility part is what's so important. 
But I do know that that is not sustainable. So that what I've been working on over the past three years is creating 30 minutes where I do close my door. And I sometimes just sit and breathe. I'll listen to um, a meditation um, uh, video. So I'll play a meditation video and I'll just listen to it. Sometimes it's just just sounds, waterfalls. It could be raindrops. It could just be the ocean in the background. And I take a lot of deep breaths and just let it out. Um, I have made more of an effort to drink water. Like, so I tell folks around the building, like, can you make sure that you see me drink water today? I have a water goal because I'll forget. So, you know, what I said at the onset of how to get ready for the school year, I may start off that week, you know, that week with water and a meal. And then all of a sudden I like let it go and that's not healthy. So I do a lot of breathing. I do um, a lot of also expressing like uh, telling folks today I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed and I'm going to close my door. And when I do close my door, like I'll say, I'll, I'll send a message to the staff and I'll say, folks, if you happen to stop by the main office and you're looking for me, I close the door because I have a deadline or I close the door because I need a minute to decompress, but I'll be back in 30 minutes or what have you. So that they all know, like, yeah, we I, I have those moments too. So the way that I treat myself is I make sure that I isolate myself for at least 30 minutes so that I could just breathe and let go of, of things that may not serve me. So some, I do ask the question, like, I'm pretty sure we've heard this before, like, will it matter in five minutes? Will it matter in five days? Will it matter in five weeks? Will it matter in five years? So like, I go through that process. Yes, this is going to matter in five minutes because it's actually an emergency. Like, I need to do something. Or can I take care of this within the next week, within five days? Can, this, can I do something about what's happening right now within the next five days? and just stay focused on what I was doing at this moment. Because that's often what can derail a school leader. Like you'll be in your groove, you'll think you're working on something and all of a sudden, all of a sudden something falls on your lap that was unexpected. And now you're like, oh, now I have to attend to this, but I was attending to this task. And now you feel like you're, you're torn between two different tasks, sometimes five different tasks. And in the middle of that, maybe there comes a parent that's very upset about something that happened yesterday at recess that you had no idea. And then you're like dealing with that. And then you could also have a teacher that resigns. <laughs> like all this happened within one hour. And you're just smiling. Like, <laughs> okay, you know, and that's the reality because that has happened to me. That literally happened to me last year. You have one teacher walking in for work, not to come into work, to hand in her resignation letter. Well, there's a parent upset about something. And then you have a deadline that your district needs. And you're like smack in the middle of this. And you're like, wow. And, and that's when you breathe. This isn't personal. And once you start to get, you know, take that layer off of you, we're like, it's not personal. That mom or dad, they just have a concern and they just want answers and they are emotional right now because it's their baby. They're not necessarily upset at you. So you take that layer off, it's not personal. That teacher needed to resign because she felt like this was not the right fit for her, this career. This career was not the right fit for her. She got into something that she didn't know what to expect. It's not personal. This person made the right decision for themselves. So you gotta let that go. This deadline is something that has to be, is part of your job. So get to it. If you need an extension, write an email and request one. 
So like I have to work through all those emotions. And I usually do that by just breathing, saying like, okay, uh how am I going to handle this in the next few minutes? And now let's get to it. Let's start handling it. Yeah. That all makes sense. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And and all those tools that kind of help deal with with the craziness that comes with the job, which I would say, you know, of all industries, I mean, there, like you mentioned, there can be an emergency with with the parents, the kids at any different time. It's really important to have that there so that to keep you kind of level and balanced where you need to be. And I assume that a lot of these different strategies and tools have taken a lot of time to develop, you know, and every year is different. Are you planning on trying any sort of new things or new strategies? Uh, this year to kind of deal with any of that or to build the partnerships? Yes. So this year, uh, we are starting the year with a lesson plan study. So a lesson plan study involves educators planning one lesson together, and they put their name inside of a, a hat, and whoever's name gets pulled out of the hat, they deliver that lesson, while those teachers watch the implementation of that lesson. Then they come back together to revamp that lesson, then another person uh, implements the lesson and then they get feedback and then they revamp the lesson again with the idea of looking at how planning can help us become smarter about like our teacher moves and the resources that we're using. We also are making tighter cross-curricula connections. So our, we, one of the tools that we use in PE is SPLATS. So we'll, we're looking at how art, physical education and coding can come together to incorporate like our use of splats more thoughtfully throughout the curriculum. We're also looking at more in-house activities where teachers can spend more time just building connections. So whether through through a paint and chat, through um, a yoga class together. So we're gonna have yoga in the building for educators as well. As well. So we're going to offer yoga before the start of the school day. So any educator that wants to start their day with a yoga class once a week will have that option. So that's some of the things that we came up this that we came up with this for this upcoming school year, alongside the after school clubs that I mentioned earlier, um, and the partnerships outside that will support the implementation of our after school programs. Um, so I think this has all been so great. I think to wrap up, though, we also have this. Uh, standing question we want to ask all our educators because you're in education, but uh, we want to know more. So this is Chase's favorite question. So Chase, you can take it away. Yeah, well, I actually, I actually have a, a different question in mind um, just for you specifically. Um, when you look at kind of the role of a principal, I mean, obviously there's a lot of responsibility um, and a lot that goes into the job. Now, in your unique case, not only are you the principal, but you're also the founder. So does that bring with it any extra pressure or responsibility that would go beyond what maybe other principals are experiencing? That's a great question. Um, so yes, because so it's interesting. If I go back to my childhood, my mom would, she didn't ever necessarily say like, this is what career you have to have when you grow up or she didn't guide us in that way. But her rule was, whatever you do, you do well. So my mother was like, if you decide that you want to shine shoes for a living, go for it. But you better be the best one they have. So it was like, no matter, she didn't care what you did. She didn't care about titles or anything. She was like, I don't care. Whatever your passion is, whatever you want to pursue, go for it. However, do it right. 
So I already come with added pressure. So <laughs> it's in everything that I am, I'm like, I must do it right. Like I yelp and I'm an elite yelper and I'm like serious about my yelping. Like it's like everything <laughs> that I do, I have to do well. So you add the layer of founder to it. And there is like this extra pressure of like, so not that anyone plays the blame game, but I can't go back and say, hey, well, this was because, you know, the principal before me left this mess. You know, it takes about five years to clean this up. So you got to give me, you know, if you have to give me some time, I need to adjust. There is no, there's no one to turn back to but myself. So I'm constantly thinking like, okay, how do you keep excelling to make sure that you're not complacent, nor the teachers, nor the scholars? So how do we keep, you know, you do well and how do you continue to do well? So there's always an added layer of pressure that I add to myself. So as a founding principal, I always, I only can hold myself accountable for everything that happens um, in the school building. So I say yes, that there is that an added layer of pressure. And I don't know if it comes from the outside, but definitely one that I've given myself. Absolutely. No, I mean, that's that's what I would expect. I think if I was in your position, I would have said the same thing. Um, you know, to be totally honest, people don't necessarily like to admit that there's more pressure. But in a situation um, like that, I mean, I think it's important that, you know, there is a little bit of pressure because, you know, you mentioned it obviously pushes you to a little harder to be you know, the best that you can be. Um, and then the, the quick, you know, wrap up here that Marissa was alluding to uh, more of a lighter note. Uh, we do like to ask if you were not in education what would you be doing? And I, I'm assuming it probably wouldn't be shoe shining. No, it wouldn't, <laughs> but I'm gonna go, I wanna just add on to that, the previous question that also added some additional stress to my position. When I was opening the school building, there was an article that was written where they said, the, the first school closed in 2008, then, another, then the other school opened, and now that school is closing. Will this third time truly be the charm? So oh. <laughs> and I was like, oh boy. So yeah. the third time I would say was the charm. So definitely pressure. So that question, if I weren't in education, what would I be doing? I would be a criminal defense lawyer. So I've always, I, I, that was actually what I initially said when I was 13, that I would be a criminal defense attorney. And one of my neighborhood friends told me he wouldn't hire me because I was a girl. So, <laughs> oh, no. Okay, this was in the 80s and I was 13 at the time. So I was like, oh man. And I felt that he would need a lawyer in the future. So I was like, if, he, <laughs> if he's not going to hire me, then... Gosh, you know, so I guess I shouldn't be a lawyer, you know, and in his mind, like the exposure to what maybe he saw on TV and what I saw on TV at the time, because, you know, this is again, the 80s, maybe it looked like a different gender or a different group was in that field. So and, I, and it, there were no lawyers in my family. There were no lawyers in my community. So it was like, oh, maybe that is too much of a reach. And then I didn't know what I wanted to be. So for a long time, I had no clue. I was like, I don't know what I want to do because I think I really, really want to be a criminal defense attorney. I think that I love to read. I love to write. I love to research. Um, it feels great to be able to argue a point and prove your point. So those were the things that I was like, I, I, that's when I felt really good. So I thought that may be a career for me. So for a long time, I didn't know what I wanted to be. And then in high school, 
I was part of the Outward Bound program and I was required to complete community service hours as part of my obligation to the program. And I was tutoring a scholar in a first grade classroom in my local community. So I, I worked with him for about three months. And during that summer, because it was in my community, I'm walking around the neighborhood and I see him with his mom who I never met. And she tells me in Spanish, she's like, I just want to say thank you because of you, my son can read. And I was like, I'm going to be a teacher. Oh, Yeah. So for the longest, I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And it was that moment in my life that I was like, wow, I actually impacted another human being in a positive way. This is it. I'm just going to, I'm going to be a teacher because I want to teach children how to read. So. Absolutely. And obviously they, they both make a, a, a good impact. Those are two great choices for careers. Um, and I can see you doing that because you are you are very thorough and very well-spoken. But I think um, all the kids at the school are glad that you ended up going in the other direction. For sure. I might pursue that later. Let's see. I, I have another <laughs> lifetime ahead of me, right? It's never too late. <laughs> never too late. <laughs> That's so awesome. Well, Alexa, it's been so great having you join us. It's truly amazing to hear how creative you've gotten with creating these partnerships, as well as you are just a superhuman. And it's really always a great time chatting with you. And so thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So until next time, this is the Educator Lounge. <laughs>